everyone. Welcome to episode 57 of the Real Food Mamas podcast. I'm Aglaya Jacob, a real food registered dietitian and mom. And I'm also the author of the book and cookbook, Digestive Health with Real Food. So digestive health will always remain a big passion of mine. But right now, my focus is uh, on helping women heal their relationship with food and their body, which I think is something so important and very much needed in today's world. I just created the whole batch syndrome online training and you can join it today for free. Uh, this, this training is for you if you often feel out of control with food and if food and health have become the center of your life. So that's not a full life. That's how I used to live before. Health and food was my everything, but there's just so much more to life and I want you to be able to see that too. So you can go to radicatanutrition.com. R-A-D-I-C-A-T-A, nutrition.com, to register and watch the first lesson today. It's only five very short lessons, so it's totally doable even if you're busy. And today I'm here with my amazing co-host, Stephanie Grinke. Steph is a registered dietitian and mom, as well as an expert at helping women balance their hormones naturally. And she's passionate about everything related to natural fertility, pregnancy, the postpartum period, and babies. You can find more about her and her services at rockyourhormones.com and check out her program, Healthy Mama, Happy Baby, which is a virtual pregnancy handbook she created with the co-creator of Whole30, Melissa Hartwig. So be sure to check it out. Okay, so on the last episode, we discussed Stephanie's second home birth experience, and we received a lot of questions from our listeners about home birth and Stephanie's experience, so we decided to dedicate an episode to answering those questions. So I also had a home birth with my uh, first and only baby for now, Aiden, and I wanted to uh, also provide my perspective to round out this discussion. So let's start right away, because Leo, uh, Stephanie's second son just got down for went down for a nap so we're taking advantage of that time to record this podcast um one of the first question we got is about has to do about uh, with age so what do you think about home birth uh, at older ages stephanie yeah you know i think it's really up to the discretion of the person having the birth for really any age and this person was above 35 and she didn't know if that was too old to have a home birth and i don't think there is an age that we can put on it i think it really depends on if you want to if you feel the most comfortable at home if you are healthy and low risk and so just because you're over 35 doesn't mean you can't have a great natural birth or a birth in general. And I know many women who are actually healthier at 35 or older mm-hmm. than they were in their 20s. And that could be for multiple reasons. Maybe they're more aware of their health. They have more knowledge accumulated over the years. They're more conscious about what they put in and on their body. They may be engaging in less risky behaviors, like they're not going out and drinking and partying all the time or you know, smoking smoking things or whatever the case, maybe they're more emotionally ready at that point as they've set up their career, they've had their time to travel or whatnot, and now they're ready to have babies. And they could also be more financially stable 
over 35, Mm -hmm. which you don't have to have a lot of money. I mean, babies are expensive, but to have a home birth, it is a little bit more expensive to have a doula and get access to some of these strategies like acupuncture and massage therapy that you may want. If you are in that mindset, you need a little bit more money because unfortunately insurance doesn't cover it. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are certainly more risks as you age and you may even have a potentially harder time conceiving but it is I just want to stress that it is possible to have a very healthy birth after 35 and many of the risks that are associated with older ages or above 35 which I hate how they call it advanced maternal age or (laughs) you know (laughs) some of the words that they use to describe pregnancy and issues in labor are just terrible but um you know, many of these things can be minimized with a healthy lifestyle and education. So if you're putting in the work, you'll definitely reap the rewards. And as always, having a home birth, whether you're 35 or older or 35 or under, it requires you to go the extra mile. You have to find the best provider for you. You have to understand the rules and restrictions in your area. You need to figure out if you have any risk factors, and if you do have some risk factors, maybe a home birth isn't going to be an option for you. Um, some of these risk factors include fetal malpresentation, so if maybe if your baby's breech or if you have twins and one of them's in a, a suboptimal position, if you have a multiple gestation, you may have limits on your ability to have a home birth. Um, if you have a prior, if you had a prior cesarean section. Uh, some things like preeclampsia that presents during labor or even if it's not controlled throughout your labor can be a contradiction. So you want to be aware of that. You want to be educated. And if you're healthy and you're aware, you can definitely get what you want and get the kind of birth um, if baby (laughs) allows Mm -hmm. um, and your area allows. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you are you you have a bit more homeworks to do when it comes to home birth. because you're kind of taking charge a little bit more uh, rather you know I'm not saying that you you don't have any homeworks to do or anything to research if you have a hospital birth that's not what I'm saying but it's just uh, you have to really take charge and I think that sometimes as we get a bit older we know a bit more what we want and what we don't want and uh, with experience I think that can actually be something really positive on our side to to make those decisions so yeah I agree with you I don't think age is um, a barrier and I'll probably be over 35 when I'll have my second home birth if I have one <laughs> if I'm blessed with another one so I'll, I'll keep you posted with that <laughs> Awesome. Um, do you, and what about your specific home birth? Did you have any specific concerns regarding uh, regarding that birth in particular? I, I truly didn't. I wasn't nervous or worried about the process at all. I had a lot of faith in my body and pregnancy and the innate wisdom of the whole pregnancy experience in my body. And I think the biggest concern that I had this time had to do with my birth team not arriving mm-hmm. on time, which has really nothing to do with me as a laboring woman. But because they lived far away, I was nervous that I wouldn't call them because I was afraid of waking them up, even though I was concerned, mm-hmm. or uh, that for some reason there'd be traffic if it happened during the day, because San Diego is terrible for traffic. You, If you've lived in California, you know the I-5 can be just nuts. And... I truly felt more safe at home than I do in a hospital. 
And that's always been the case when I was in school to be a dietitian and we had our internships. I did not like being in the clinical setting. I oh. love being out yes. <laughs> out of the, the hospital. And so that can really impact the ease at which you labor and give birth and your confidence. And so being at home and being with my ideal dream team birth provider made me feel very comfortable with the situation. Mm-hmm. Did you have any concerns? Well, um, it was my first birth, so my only concerns were, were, that's a good question, Uh, it seems so long ago now, it's only been two and a half years, but there's so much that has happened since, but I think my main concerns were just a lot of, you know, some self-doubts, like, am I going to be able to do this, Uh, will I be able to handle the pain, and uh, those kind of things, but fortunately, I, I lived within just one mile of the closest hospital and I already like with the midwives groups I was working I already had like access privileges to that hospital if anything happened so that made me feel a bit more safe um well yeah I think that's that was the the main the main thing that I I can remember yeah (laughs) let's talk about that then so your concern was dealing with pain so Mm -hmm. did you take any action steps to feel more comfortable with managing pain or what did you have lined up yeah well I had I did the hypnobirthing classes and uh, I think that just learning more about the breathing techniques uh, and uh, I I read a lot maybe too much but I read a lot about labor and uh, tried to read a lot about natural labor and listen and uh, read uh, natural birth stories that were positive stories that was really helpful and also I made sure that I had a good team with me and uh, my doula was uh, was really you know I worked with her throughout my pregnancy because she's she was also a naturopathic medicine um, intern so she kind of followed me during my pregnancy and then was there for my birth so I was I had someone uh, that I could really try uh, trust and uh, rely on and uh, yeah that was I think those are all things that helped me feel safer and more uh, able to handle uh, childbirth and now, knowing what you know, are you afraid of that going into your potentially second birth? That's a good question. Um, not that much anymore. I feel much more empowered. And, you, you know, I I was actually reading a lot about unassisted birth. And this is something that's still on my mind. Maybe I will go that extra step of seeing if I can do this uh, on my own, which is which sounds a little bit crazy. But I don't know. There's something that's appealing to me to to try to do it, uh, you know, in a, in a, making sure everything is safe, of course. But yeah, I feel I feel much more empowered and, and tr- I have a lot more trust in my body and myself and my I think that my mindset and emotional health have come a long way, too. So I, I, I would feel totally ready for a second one. And when you say unassisted, do you mean having nobody, no providers in the room yes. or that you do the entire? OK, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, then you definitely feel confident in your body. I think so. (laughs) But yeah, it's just something that I've read a lot about. And um, I don't know. I'm still not sure whether I'm going to do it or not. But I I just found it fascinating. And I know that um, I just have incredible trust in the body's uh, wisdom and that it knows what to do. And uh, I, I that's kind of a not a challenge because this is not about 
uh, you know, trying to prove yourself or anything. But I don't know. I feel kind of called to uh, to look into that further for the next next pregnancy if that happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I'm a podcast junkie, and I remember listening to a really good podcast about a woman who had an unassisted birth, and she had an amazing story, <laughs> and she had a lot of great points. So I'm going to let you know that when I do some digging and find okay. it again, I can post in the show notes because an unassisted birth it sounds like something that not a lot of people do <laughs> um, and, and rare, but it's actually becoming increasingly more common. It's not. It's not common, but it's becoming more common uh, because of all of the restrictions. Some states don't allow home births. Um, some women just don't trust the medical system. And so there are more and more women who are having unassisted home births. And they might not even tell people. They might not even tell their friends that they're mm -hmm. having this. So mm -hmm. it is under the radar. And I want to make sure people that are curious about that have that positive story and resource yeah and i have a good i don't know if it's the same podcast you're talking about but uh taking back birth mm -hmm. is uh a podcast where uh the woman's actually used to be a midwife i think she's not practicing as a midwife anymore but she talks a lot about that and uh so maybe we'll link to that in the show note and the one you are talking about if that's not the same <laughs> yeah Cool. Awesome. So what, what kind of positive reinforcement? You talked about trusting your body, knowing that your body has the, the innate wisdom to birth a baby and to grow a baby and the entire process, even mm -hmm. nursing a baby. Uh, but if, you, if there's a client that comes to you or a friend that comes to you that wants to have a natural birth or a home birth, what are some of the things that you would tell her? Let's speak to the audience members here that yes. want to have one but need that little reinforcement. Yes, I think that I would uh, first want to make sure that I really understand what her first experience was like so we can really address, you know, what could be the potential fears or uh, just have a better idea. But overall, I would just say that, you know, your body really knows what it's doing. It's, it's uh, even though you may not have a home birth before, you, you, you can trust your body. It's able to grow baby and it's able to uh, get them out of your body too. And I think that it's, that's why it's important to get that support. Uh, and for me, it, support was really important. And I know that for you too, staff getting supports for, support for both of your births was also a really important. And so having a good team around you, uh, a doula was really great for me too. But just building on that trust um, is really important. And you, you, it's never, you can never really say, I fully, 100% trust my body there's always thoughts of self-doubt uh, that come in or uh it's you know we all have that inner critic oh my god you, you know you you won't be able to do it what if this blah 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 but it's just about learning how to dismiss those thoughts and they're not the truth and knowing that your body really knows what it's doing but do you have anything to add to that yeah i think uh, uh, absolutely education there's um, you know, less than 50% of pregnant women do childbirth education classes. And so mm -hmm. if you're looking to do a home birth, I would, we have a podcast about this too, but look at childbirth education classes that are catered to your philosophy. So if you're looking to have a home birth, look for ones that talk about 
all of the specifics about having a home birth and natural childbirth. If you go to a hospital childbirth education class and you're planning on having a home birth, you might be more freaked out than you need to be because they'll talk about all the interventions and all of the medical options that are there and you might stop trusting your body at that point. So really important to get that childbirth education. Um, I think surrounding yourself with the right people too, and that could mean finding a network in your community. You might look for baby wearing sites. You may look for La Leche League meetings. You may look for um, like walking groups. There's some areas that have mama walking groups and having those positive experiences, not just reading them, but talking to moms in person and building yourself up for the big day is going to be one of your best tools in this process. Yeah. So don't forget the importance of community. And if all else fails, if you can't meet face-to-face, there are some really great Facebook groups online. Our Healthy Mama Happy Baby program has a fantastic Facebook group, very supportive women. Um, and they're not all doing home births. There's mm-hmm. many women that are doing hospital births. But to be around like-minded women who want ultimately want the best for themselves and their baby is where it's at. Yes, yes. And uh, that, you know, because it's a lot of people that I talk to, um, sometimes they may be interested in having a home birth, but there are people in their family or their spouse or people around them kind of being uh, naysayers and uh, telling them that it's dangerous or that, you know, trying to make them doubt that it's a good idea. What what do you have to say about those? Yeah, I mean, I dealt with that personally. My parents were both very nervous about it. Mm. They wouldn't say a whole lot of negative things to my face, but I could tell every time I talked about it, they're like, well, what if this happens? Mm. And when I was born, um, the cord was wrapped around my neck. And so, and at that point of time, in time, in that situation, the nursing staff was very concerned about that cord being wrapped around my neck, which we now know it really isn't that big of a deal. Um, in most cases, there's a jelly that, that per- gel that protects the baby from choking and I could go into that but Mm -hmm. there was a lot of concerns for my mom because of her birth experience and that might be the case it may be simply Mm -hmm. that your friends have had really scary experiences they may think that the only reason that they're alive or their babies are alive is because of a cesarean section or whatever intervention Mm -hmm. your parents could have had a, a negative birth experience and so they are not trying to scare you, not trying to make you feel bad, but they want you to be safe. And I think knowing that that's at the root of their concern is important because they're not bad people. They're not saying bad things. They're just concerned for your health and they may not have the education that you do. Um, so what I did to work with that is I had my parents talk to my midwives so they could ask those questions instead of asking me because the more that they asked me the more my mind went in places mm-hmm. it didn't need to go yes and so maybe if you could talk to your midwife or your doctor or provider or even the staff um, and have them talk to your parents or other people that are concerned instead of you that's an option did, again did you, oh, sorry did, did they do it like did they call your midwives or did your midwife to be honest I don't know no, okay, I okay. think so because my mom would call. <laughs> she would be that kind of person, but it was kept, you know, disclosed to me. I don't mm-hmm. know what, what was said there. Um, 
And then, you know, watching videos, the one really interesting thing, and this is powerful for my mom, is when she was here before Leo was born, I pulled up a couple of videos on YouTube of water births, of mm-hmm. home water births, and I screened them before I showed them to her because I wanted to make sure <laughs> she saw, like, really positive ones, which most of them are. Uh, but I had her watch a home water birth with me, and she just, like, almost was in tears. She thought it was so beautiful. It was completely different than what she had expected it to mm. look like. She couldn't believe how relaxed the woman was and how calm the whole setting was, how calm the provider was, and how easy that baby seemed to just come out and be on mom's chest. Mm. And that there was no need for any interventions or anything. The mom did it herself. And so that can be an option for you too. You know, there's going to be some friends of yours that want nothing to do with birth videos, but mm-hmm. others may surprise you and they may be interested and it could change their whole view of what you're doing. Yeah, uh, an image is worth a thousand words and a video is probably worth a million words. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good way to... And of course, you have to, to choose really good ones, but that's that's a really good way to 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 show how that could look like. Did you have any naysayers or anybody concerned about your birth? No, that's interesting because um, I'm trying. No, but I, I was surrounded. I, I was in naturopathic medicine school, so all the people around me were pretty much uh, pro natural birth. All of my friends and with my family. Um, I always do things a bit differently, and they're kind of used <laughs> to that, so they don't say anything either on, on my side or my husband's side. So no, uh, just like, you know, questions, just showing interest a little bit, but um, not. I, I was lucky and didn't have to have any confrontation or those kind of um, yeah interactions. And I think, you know, if you're not wanting to share YouTube videos, if you're not wanting to have them read the research that you've read or have them talk to your providers, just don't talk about it. There's no need for you to discuss your birth preference right. with somebody That's if so you're right. both not comfortable in that situation. So, you know, just, yep, I'm having a home birth. That's it. The end. Um, no need to apologize. No need to explain yourself. Just mm-hmm. like with food, right? If somebody offers you a piece of chocolate cake and you don't want it a no thank you is more than enough yeah it's your decision your body uh you you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. yeah okay and uh let's move on to another question we got so what what do we need to know about home birth if uh if that's something we're considering there's i mean there's so much information (laughs) and i think childbirth education doing your own research is really important but i want to give maybe just a little bit of advice of things that you wouldn't necessarily consider and the one of those things is your providers relationships with local hospitals um, so different providers have different privileges at hospitals if you have a certified nurse midwife versus a certified professional midwife they're going to have different privileges uh, for example one of I use a certified nurse midwife so she had privileges at a local hospital whereas if I would have used a certified and she, you know, she could continue the birth with me. Whereas if mm-hmm. I maybe use a certified professional midwife, you know, she would, she could be there, but she would be assisting more than, you know, she was being be in the background versus being the one providing the care. Um, and so you need to know that. You need to know if there is any limitations that they have with you as far as how long will it you labor before going to a hospital, what circumstances lead to hospital visits, um, how long they'll let you be pregnant before 
they want you to be induced Mm -hmm. or go to the hospital, uh, who their backup providers are and to meet them so you're comfortable should you need to go into their care towards the end of your pregnancy or at any time or be with them during labor. I think that's really important. Um, I also went and visited the local hospitals that I would end up at if needed, and that way I'd be more comfortable with that situation. Again, it would help with the visualization. I know, okay, plan A, this is what it looks like. I can, I could think that through in my head, and plan B, okay, if I need to be transferred to a hospital, that's what it's going to look like. And so if when the day came, I was familiar, and I knew where to park, I knew where the labor and delivery unit was, and everything just felt like it would be easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's those are really good point. I think uh, I'm trying to think if I have anything to add, but uh, those are great. Um, yeah, and of course, if you're considering a water birth, uh, knowing where to get a, a a tub or however you call them and how it works and all of that is important. That's what we were actually supposed to do the day I gave birth to Aiden. <laughs> My tool oh, wow. that was coming with the the tub, so we could you know see how it worked and uh, practice setting it up but and she was supposed to meet my husband for the first time but that's the day I went into labor so <laughs> no <laughs> I didn't know that that's interesting yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah those are a really great tip I think it's all about feeling prepared and having the knowledge and being educated you don't have to get a, a degree in midwifery and have to know about everything but um, there's a the uh, getting feeling informed and uh, it can be really helpful I think you just have to know the balance right between knowing too much and not enough so that's sometimes a fine line (laughs) to walk and that carries on to motherhood too yes everything don't be googling (laughs) at midnight about you know why is my baby doing xyz you're gonna go crazy yes exactly (laughs) um let's talk more about uh the like went labor so what were your favorite tips to deal with discomfort for both of your um pregnancy and labor hmm you know I didn't use as many as I thought I would to be honest with you for Leo I mean it was two and a half hours I didn't have (laughs) a lot of options and you know Otto was about six or seven hours too so that was really quick um I had planned and I had available a lot of different options, but water was my best friend. Water and heat were my best friends. And then I used my breath. I think that was so powerful. Uh, With Leo, I did use a heating pad. So when I was dealing with those contractions as I was making my chocolate chip muffins, (laughs) my (laughs) doula um, heated up a rice pack and then she put that in a little rebozo and tied it around my waist where I was feeling the, the contractions and that helped reduce some of the pain. I went in different positions so I would rock and I would sway and I would go on my knees and then squat and move around as much as I could to help with the discomfort. Breath work has always been important to me even now as a mom and dealing with anxiety and stress just focusing on your breath closing your eyes it can be a game changer. Um, mantras. So I kept telling myself, I can do this. I am doing this. I said mantras like, um, you know, with this next push, I'm that much closer to meeting my baby. And so even though I was in pain, I knew that it was for a reason and I would get to meet this beautiful human at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, there's a couple of my friends and clients have used homeopathy. Um, they've had acupuncture and chiropractic work. They've actually had practitioners and acupuncturists, a chiropractor, a massage therapist at their birth or wow. on call. Mm-hmm, that's an option if you're at home. Um, and they would come and do whatever they needed to do to assist with the baby's position or with labor. Um, aromatherapy can re- be really helpful. And this doesn't have to be lavender. It could be whatever smell makes you feel comfortable and cozy. For me, my aromatherapy was the baking. I love that smell <laughs> of baking. Um, and whenever you know I'm feeling anxious, I like to bake. And what else? I think another huge thing, and this isn't for your comfort, um, like physical comfort, but for your mental and emotional comfort, is to have your partner understand what's going on just like you understand the phases of labor and know what to expect having your partner know what to expect too so if you know brian could see okay she's in transition that means that baby's coming soon and this is gonna hurt her like crazy and she's gonna be moaning because this is it this is so close to the end um him being able to identify those stages and know how to support me during each stage so that he doesn't pass out he doesn't freak out he can be there for me, be that rock when I need him to, is essential. And a great book for this is called The Birth Partner. Mm-hmm. So give that to your partner, give that to who's ever on your support team, and have them stand your ground and not freak out so you don't freak out. <laughs> and did you ask like uh, your partner to do anything specific depending on the stage of you know, did you plan in advance that, you know, I want to be touched or not touched or you would tell him in the moment or how did that look like for you? Yeah, um, a couple of things. So massage while you're pregnant can be really helpful. So your partner knows the intensity that you like the massage, where on your body you like the massage, um, you know, helping having them understand the different kind of positions and techniques with the rebozo ahead of time can be helpful. And you'll get this, you should get this if in a good childbirth education class. Um, it should involve your partner and your partner should be very active in learning how they can support you. Um, but the other thing to understand is that what you think you may need or may think you may want before you are in labor can be completely different than what actually happens when you're in labor. And it can change throughout labor. So during Otto's birth, I had some back labor. And Mm. he would massage my back, and I felt awesome. And he was just on it. And baby changed positions. And he went to go do that same massage. And I screamed at him, (laughs) no, like, get away. That does not feel good right now. And so he, you know, he had, he learned in the the childbirth education and through talking that, the, you know, I can't handle, you know, I don't know what I'm saying sometimes mm-hmm. and just don't take it personal, me, don't take it personal <laughs> and know that things will change. So just roll with it. Um, and also, you know, if the, if the birth partner can mimic what the mom's doing to make her feel more comfortable. So if I'm moaning, sometimes it can help if the birth partner kind of moans with the mom or if the mom's swaying in a certain way, if the birth partner can sway in that certain way too, just to connect you together and support you through the process. That's beautiful. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. And myself, I didn't, I didn't use that 
many of these things, but it was moving. Moving was so helpful. Like uh, in the the earlier stage, I would just pace and pace and pace across my living room, and 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 I, I kept moving uh, during the whole time, and just having my my husband there and holding me and always being super close to me was uh, really comforting. Um, but it. Yeah, still hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah, it still hurts. And, you know, the first time I gave birth, I remember looking at my husband in the tub. I'm like, we're not doing this again. He's going to be an only child. I'm sorry. Like, this is just too much. I had those thoughts, too. <laughs> and then literally the next day, you're like, oh, it wasn't so bad when you're you explaining forget. to other people. You well, forget. Well, do you, do, you, do you feel like you forget the, the intensity of the pain? Like, when you had it the second time, you say, oh, my God, I didn't remember it being so intense. Or what was it like? Hmm. Well, my pushing phase was a lot shorter Mm -hmm. with Leo and that was, that was the hard part for me. And the whole thing was a lot shorter. So it's hard to compare. I think it's really hard to compare births, um, in general, just because they're going to, they can be completely different. Um, I don't know. I think Leo was just easier overall because he was faster. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm wondering like the second time will it be easier to handle because I I I I've done it before or have I forgotten too much already? <laughs> don't know what I'm I getting don't into. Know. We'll see when you come on the podcast and yeah. talk about it. <laughs> All right, and now um. Well, I, a lot of our listeners may want to look into more uh, alternative health practitioner uh, for their birth team. So do you have any tips in finding an OBGYN or uh, support that, that you know, uh, aligns with our philosophy? Yep. Uh, I think you can see if there's a local birth community in your area. A lot of different cities have a birth uh, community or a birth network, they're often called. When I lived in Monterey, there was one. In San Diego, there's a bunch of them. So it may be in more progressive areas of the U.S., but I have seen them all throughout the U.S. So, you know, Google your city and then birth network or birth community or even your state, and they can direct you to the, the best resources. So you can find mm-hmm. recommendations there. You could go to if there's any birth network or birth fairs, or if you are directed to a Lalechi League group, maybe you can ask them about their provider or um, you know the baby wearing groups. Those kind of groups will have moms that are more than happy to talk to you about um, providers that match your philosophy. Um, I know there is website like websites called doulamatch.net or (laughs) donna.org it sounds like a dating website yes (laughs) Um, and those can help you find doula so if you're not sure where to find the provider like the midwife or the uh, family physician or the OBGYN you could always talk to doulas because they will know based on who they worked with who's more open minded so you can always go back to the doula they're more than happy to help most of the time um, midwife.org is a way to find midwives in the U.S. Um, the Institute for Functional Medicine can help you find providers. They may not be able to direct you to an OBGYN, but you know if you would call any of your even MDs or NDs in the area, they could let you know who in your area is a progressive uh, OBGYN or midwife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great tips. And we had a question. Someone wanted to know if you were more, more confident uh, the second time. And I think I have an idea, but <laughs> let's see. Oh, 110%. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I knew the stages of birth. I knew what I felt the first time. So I was able to apply that knowledge to the second time. And going into labor, my midwife had made me feel more than confident about his position and my... We've, we did so much mindset work working together. 
Um, so yeah, I was definitely mm-hmm. more confident. That's great. But, how about you going into your second? Uh, well, I, I, I think I feel more confident right now, yeah. but I'm not pregnant and I'm not anywhere close <laughs> to giving birth. So I it's just, hard to I tell. I have this feeling. I have this feeling <laughs> that like sooner than later, you're going to let us know. <laughs> um, and then do you, well, yeah, we, yeah, it's not, it's one thing to have a, a first uh, baby, but when you already have one and then you're having a second one. So did you have any concerns about how you would recover from birth? while and you know establish breastfeeding while managing auto at the same time I was terrified about <laughs> that like the whole labor was no big deal to me but thinking about parenting two especially two pretty much under two years old mm-hmm. was just I didn't know how it would be possible I mean there's plenty of moms that do it there's plenty of moms that do it multiple times they have twins so I know that it's doable but for me, I just, I struggled so much with feeding Otto. I struggled so much with motherhood with Otto. I thought, I didn't know if I would be able to have that same connection with Leo because I was so focused on Otto not killing himself in the other room or, you know, I wouldn't be able to nurse Leo as much and I would get mastitis or, you know, there's so many things that caused me anxiety with, with Leo. Um, but because I had a fairly smooth birth, I didn't tear, which helped, and Leo latched on really well, everything worked out. And I think my point is that everything works out. It may seem completely impossible. Getting a baby out of your body seems completely impossible sometimes, but it works. Like, it happens. Everything is figureoutable, like Marie Forleo says. Um, You just have to be careful when you have two kids or multiple kids because little ones can get into things really fast and especially if you're sitting down to nurse or if you're feeding a bottle or however you feed your baby um you know the other one runs in the next room and you don't know what's going to happen so you kind of have to learn how to nurse on the go and move around there's so many times where I just like plop Leo on and walk in the other room and (laughs) versus with Otto I laid in bed and just nursed him sweetly like that so you you have to make do with the circumstances Um, I was careful about physically managing Otto in the sense that I didn't carry him up the stairs for a while. I had others carry him home for the park if he wanted to be carried home. I still cuddled and played with him as much as I could, but I was extra cautious about lifting and bending and twisting Mm -hmm. and those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... uh that's not easy two under two it's it sounds almost crazy <laughs> it does it does so what about you do you have we're just projecting into the future here if, if there is a future but do you have any concerns about that with Aiden well I think that uh, that's one of the reasons to make it a bit easier that if we have a second we'll we wanted to space the birth a little bit more so I'm not Aiden is only two and a half now so we we kind of had decided that we would wait until at least four four-ish years between the two four to five years so I think that um that will alleviate some of those concerns because hopefully we'll be a bit more independent and at a different stage and better able to understand different things so uh we'll see but that's uh that's my thoughts right now <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even now you've got Aiden potty trained too, Mm -hmm. or mostly, so that really helps because, you know, changing two diapers is always, you know, the extra thing is remembering when you changed them last. (laughs) There's a lot that goes along with that. If you're doing cloth diapers, washing two sets of cloth diapers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of work to be a mom, for sure. It is, but it's so worth it. It's so rewarding. Yes, yes, yes. Best job in the world. (laughs) Although, (laughs) definitely underpaid. (laughs) Yes. Well, you get paid in hugs and kisses. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's worth it. (laughs) Good. Um, All right. So I think that's all the questions we have for today, right? Yeah, I think so. And if if there are any more that we didn't answer or you think about as this is posted and you're navigating your own journey, let us know. Send us an email and we're happy to answer that for you. All right, so until next time, take care. So this is it. Please remember that the views on this podcast and website are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information purposes only. And thank you for listening to Real Food Mamas. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast to help us spread the real food word. We also invite you to visit our website, realfoodmamaspodcast.com, and our new Facebook page, Real Food Mamas, to find past episodes, leave comments, and ask questions for future shows. Remember, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Now go on, have a good day, and nourish and nurture you and your family.